0: Hi, I'm Rochelle Young,
1: and I'm Sam Tracy,
0: and you're listening to This Week in Drugs, the leading podcast on all things drugs and drug policy. This Week in Drugs is a weekly podcast meant to educate the public and decision makers about drugs in order to eliminate harmful misconceptions and improve public policy, and hopefully to have some fun while we're doing it. We neither condemn nor condone drug use. Rather. We envision a world in which our attitudes and laws surrounding drugs are grounded in science, compassion, health, and human rights.
1: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to episode 20 of This Week in Drugs. First of all, I'd like to apologize for us not turning out an episode last week, November 22nd. We did plan to do a looper reel, but with the Drug Policy Alliance Reform Conference in D.C., which Tyler, Rochelle, and I all attended and had an awesome time at, it just turned out to be too much and we couldn't turn it around in time that also means that you're in for a very special treat this week because it's our DPA conference recap episode. Rather than our traditional format, we'll be skipping straight into an extra long segment with interviews from 8 DPA conference attendees from all over the world, talking about their own experiences and reflecting on that incredible event that only happens once every two years. So thanks for joining us on episode 20 of This Week in Drugs, and we hope you enjoy the show! off with just telling us your name, organization, and where you're coming from?
2: My name is Amber Iris Langston. I am the deputy director of Show Me Cannabis in Kansas City, Missouri, working to put a medical marijuana initiative on the ballot for November 2016.
3: My name is Gail Rand. I'm the founder of StopTheSeizures.org, an organization um, to help change the laws in Maryland to allow medical cannabis access.
4: My name is Mason Tvert. I am the director of communications for the Marijuana Policy Project and I am based in Denver, Colorado.
5: Hi, um, I'm Mia Stefano, and I'm the social media strategist for Health MJ, which is a medical marijuana startup dedicated to patient advocacy, specifically for cancer patients.
0: Great. Thanks, Sam. I am Miranda Gottlieb. I am a chapter leader and founder at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, and uh, this is our first uh, international drug conference um, for, for our chapter.
6: Yep, so my name is uh, Nick Wallace, um, from uh, Melbourne in Australia, um, I produce and present a uh, radio show there called Encyclopedia, I've been watching what you guys uh, have been doing and it's, it's good to um, connect up with uh, other people that are um, uh, broadcasting uh, these messages because I think that's uh, important for the uh, drug law reform community.
7: Sure, so I'm Sarah Velimirovich and um, I'm an intern for SSDP uh, for the international program, program. And um, I live in Paris right now.
8: My name is Tom Angel, and I'm the founder of Marijuana Majority. I'm also an SSDP alum. Is this
1: your first DPA conference, or how long have you been attending for?
2: Um, I've been attending for 10 years, so the first one was 2005 back in Long Beach, and uh, the last one I got to celebrate my birthday. It's, Mm. It's a great time,
4: always. Mm-hmm. My first DPA conference was in 2005 okay. in Long Beach, and I've been to all of them since then.
5: This is my first DPA conference.
4: Perfect.
5: Uh, this is my first DPA conference. Uh, I know reform only happens every two years, and I was not involved in drug policy two years ago, but I'm so glad to be able to come to Arlington and participate.
6: First, uh, first DPA conference? Um, it costs a lot to get to America. <laughs>
8: <laughs>
7: yeah, it, it is my first DPA conference, and it's absolutely awesome.
6: I've been to every
8: DPA conference since 2003. So why do you care about
1: ending the war on drugs?
2: What got me involved? (laughs) (laughs) I started with industrial hemp. I Mm -hmm. wanted to save the environment. That was my first uh, activism cause and when I started to learn about the prohibition of cannabis and how we couldn't have this amazing industrial crop in my home state of Missouri, which is a great place to grow it, um, you know, I, I started to become angry. I started to look into the laws, and I I didn't think that marijuana should be legalized, but when I started to learn more, I, I realized this is not working at all. And then that led me, well, we started a Students for Sensible Drug Policy chapter uh, back at the University of Missouri in, I believe, in 2000. Um, or 2001, so it was one of the very early ones, and um, so then we started learning about all drugs, and uh, you know, what can I say, it's been a long ride, here I am. I, uh, these are the most wonderful people in the world, really trying to you know, change the world, make an impact on people's lives, and um, you know, for, for good reasons. So
3: my, the number one reason I wanted to come was to try to get an education on cannabis as a substitution for opioid and heroin addiction. Um, the Governor and Lieutenant Governor of Maryland are working on the Heroin and Opioid Emergency Task Force and are putting out um, recommendations, hopefully in the next couple months. And um, cannabis currently isn't an option on that list of one of the task force um, suggestions, and I think it could be very beneficial.
4: The war on drugs has been a failure, and that we could take a much more sensible approach to this issue Uh I think that we need to improve how we educate people about drugs in the society and that we need to improve how we treat those drugs and those individuals who choose to use them
5: there are a lot of different reasons one my mom was a public prosecutor and so I grew up Mm -hmm. with stories of basically what was happening in her courtrooms Two, my father was a cancer patient. He actually died um, in 2003, and so I saw him go through a lot of things that were totally unnecessary. Like he had a feeding tube installed with nausea, like marijuana clearly could have fixed that, pain management, all this stuff. And three, my little sister had a crack cocaine addiction for about two years when I was in college. She was 15 to 17. And I really saw the difference in the facilities that she went to and the way that treatment was addressed. Um, and the way the policies around that really are not meant for harm reduction they are meant for criminal prosecution
0: sure well I grew up in Albuquerque New Mexico and my high school is known for heroin overdose uh, beginning my senior year of high school we have had um, several students from my graduating class overdose um, from opiate um, prescription opiates and and, and opiate-related overdose, and so that really sparked my curiosity about substance use. And then in the spring of 2014, I was in South America and happened to be in Uruguay when legalization of marijuana was taking place, and uh, I just kind of started reading and getting interested from there, and here I am.
8: For me, you know, I was initially as a high school student, my latter years of high school, I was interested in drugs mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wanted to find out about them. I wanted to find out how to use them safely and not die. Mm-hmm. And so I did a lot of research on the internet and I, you know, found the website Arrowhead which was it provided me with a lot of that information. But then uh, Arrowhead linked me to some of the organizations that are actually working on policy change. And I went to a couple SSDP conferences and events and I met people whose lives were ruined by the drug war, uh, people who were incarcerated for decades, people whose family members died of drug overdoses due to the unregulated market. And then um, I met some medical marijuana patients uh, including, in particular, one who has MS, multiple sclerosis, which my mom also has. And you know, seeing how medical marijuana benefited that patient really made me look very closely at that issue and start to think about how that could benefit my mom. And so I, I informed her about that. She talked to her doctors and they said, yes, this, this probably could help you. Um, But at that time it wasn't legal in our home state of Rhode Island, and so we mounted a campaign. We got MPP involved They funded it. They hired lobbyists and my mom was the public face of that campaign Um, she did TV ads and media interviews and testified in front of the legislature and we won and She was the first legal patient in the state of Rhode Island And so that's been one of my primary motivating factors to work on this issue. I
6: I'm 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 passionate about drugs for um, perhaps from a from a, a different sort of perspective. When when I grew up, I sort of uh, drank the uh, the anti-drug Kool Aid. I, I believed the the hyperbolic nonsense that was out there about drugs. I I, I didn't take drugs. I made fun of uh, fun of my friends who did take drugs. Um, I thought that they were stupid. And then I. Uh, When I was sort of 18, 19, I sort of grew interested in things like cannabis and mushrooms. Um, And then I had the uh, naturalistic fallacy going on. So I was like, oh, only natural drugs, man, because um, in my head that that sort of made sense that would be the healthier options. But of course, that's uh, a fallacious notion as well. Mm. Um, So I suppose what I've been um, passionate about is just uh, um, educating people about drugs because they I I find them fundamentally interesting. So I suppose I'm a bit of a drug geek in that uh, manner. uh, but I also think that uh, as my time has gone on and I've uh, uh, seen a lot more of what the drug subculture or drug subcultures hold, I've seen a lot more of the problems and I've seen um, that perhaps I'm in a more privileged um, position or have taken drugs that haven't caused um, caused me the sorts of problems that maybe other people might uh, might have had because they didn't know about those drugs um, in in the first place. So um, I'm, I'm passionate now about... Uh, Reforming the laws about uh, stopping people uh, getting arrested for nonsense reasons, about stopping uh, the uh, the police from um, engaging in actions which uh, end up harming uh, more than they help, uh, also and, and changing the law ultimately. Um,
7: so I would say that the main reason is that um, the war on drugs policies have a lot of unintended negative consequences. So it the the policies failed not only by its own metrics so the results that it has, set, it has set for itself but it has created so much trouble in other areas such as mass incarceration such as the impact that it had on marginalized communities and the fact that I am aware of, um, aware of these issues makes me just want to work for, for the right cause and that, that's, that's exactly how I feel.
1: So what is it that brings you to the conference in the first place? Did you have any particular goals in mind when you're coming here?
2: did some awesome lobbying, uh, so I had two pretty hard days of lobbying this week and um, I got to meet with a couple of different senators, one my senator and one uh, another senator and had some good meetings. Uh, it was very empowering. I think that we had an effect having that many people on the Hill talking about criminal justice issues, sentencing reform, and of course uh, the big big item everybody's talking about, uh, changing the marijuana laws. So I think we made an impact, I think this, this week have changed what's going to the direction of how things are moving at the federal level yeah definitely
5: so i also work with women grow in new york city on um, their sponsorship chair so i met someone today that we're going to have hopefully have speak uh, at a future women grow event and i also came because health mj is all about patient advocacy i mean we were here to see what people are doing for patients and by patients and so michelle sexton um, on the medical cannabis in 2015 from lab to clinic panel talked a lot about patient reported outcomes and how to incorporate the patient's understanding of their own body into their treatment um, and how doctors currently often don't do that which is awful.
0: I really came just to meet Rochelle and Sam, (laughs) because I listened to This Week (laughs) week in Drugs. But uh, no, I I think I wanted to meet the the rock stars behind the movement. I was excited Mm -hmm. to see the other chapter members of SSCP and the leaders of the organization that I look up to so much, Uh, in addition to getting some ideas and and potential resources for our club and figuring out what we as a state of Tennessee and as a University of Tennessee chapter can do to, to help end the war on drugs.
6: I wanted to come and connect with the American drug law reform movement uh, in a way that isn't just over email because <laughs> it's, a, it's much nicer to meet people in person mm-hmm. um, and to actually uh, get a feel uh, for, for what it's like uh, in, a, in a different country, especially a country like America which gave the world prohibition and now is the one uh, trying to trying to sort of roll that back in some, in some manners anyway. Mm-hmm.
7: Um, So actually I was organizing a model on gas here and um, I know that you talked about it last uh, last episode and uh, Just to let you know everyone that it went awesome Mm -hmm. and uh, Really? We're really happy with the results. So our idea was to actually um, uh, Introduce students to the um, workings of the international uh, drug policy regime, but also how international drug Um, international politics actually works Uh, so what we did is made students uh, prepare to represent their own countries and then debate um, issues amongst themselves Um, and yeah it was it was pretty awesome a lot of people like so for example we had um, we had a representative from China and a representative from Indonesia and they were amazing uh, because they stayed within their character and actually as you know drug reformers in their real life had have actually fought for the other side and I believe that through doing that we learn more about our positions and how to defend them better.
8: My primary goal for this conference is just to reconnect with old friends and colleagues uh, who I rarely get a chance to see and catch up also to meet uh, other people who are working in the movement who I don't already know and find out what they're working on and see if there are ways we can collaborate to change the laws. Um, Another primary reason for... uh, Another thing I was most excited about being here for is to deliver 100,000 signatures calling for the resignation of DEA Acting Administrator Chuck Rosenberg, who recently called medical marijuana a joke, and fortuitously, the DEA headquarters is a 12-minute walk away from the conference site (laughs) here. So that made that really easy to do.
5: I mean, as one of the very top experts in your field of marijuana-specific drug policy reform, do, do you still get anything out of coming to these conferences? Like, does it help inform your work by learning about other drug policies, or is it just to like, chill with friends?
4: Well, I mean, for me, the most important part of it is is the networking aspect, and not even necessarily networking on a social level, but at a professional level when it comes to being able to meet and speak face-to-face with a lot of people I work with on a relatively frequent basis you know uh, we have a, a large organization and we have staff members all over the country and we work with you know our organization works with people in different states different organizations as well as local advocates in states around the country who I've heard their names, I've heard their voices, I've seen their pictures, but I've never met. And this is, you know, every other year, oftentimes, a chance to actually see those people and talk to them. And, you know, it's it's incredibly beneficial. It's the same reason that any, you know, company, a big corporation, you know, they have a staff retreat. I mean, they want people to be together in the same place at the same time to you know establish those relationships, which then facilitate the work that they're going to do down the line, and I think that that's, for me, the most important part of this.
1: What was your favorite panel, or talk, or speech so far, and, and why did you enjoy it so much?
2: Lobbying was great uh, and very empowering, but my favorite thing was probably the model Ungas that the SSDP uh, put on. That was absolutely amazing. I uh, did a little bit of international work whenever I was still with SSDP, and it's so powerful to see how far that uh, the international network of students has become, and the awareness uh, of all of the United States students too, as to how you know what's happening internationally, and and you know really you know how does the U.S. even play into all of that? Uh, it was it was just. It was really amazing really beautiful I think that uh, we're going to come out with a, a good document to recommend to uh, the, the UN um, committees on, uh, uh, you know, on drug control about you know, about what we what, what we want to see have happen so it was wonderful
3: uh, Eric Sterling led a, a small group on the Maryland um, drug issues, and I thought it was very
5: interesting to meet lots of people from all aspects Mm -hmm. of the industry. I would have to say that the... Ensuring Inclusion, Repairing Damage, Diversity, Equity, and Marijuana Industry Panel, it was the first one I went to this morning and it knocked my socks off and got me super excited and pumped for the rest of the day because there was so so much awesome stuff about reformation and criminal justice and how it's totally ridiculous that all these people who have been growing marijuana and or have been dealing with all these different drugs are legally not allowed to participate in the industry and barriers for access. Um, as well as different ways to incorporate community revitalization into the laws that we're currently creating. Um, Lynn Lyman of DPA had some awesome statements that made me actually want to read the laws she was writing. Like, I would never have read them otherwise, yeah. So
7: definitely my favorite panel was Black Lives Matter. I think that uh, personally it was amazing uh, to witness that. And uh, second, I I do think that it's really important get on board and to sort of merge the movements that have um, sort of the same goals and that are fighting the real battles. Uh, And I recognize, I mean, I'm not American, but I do recognize Black Lives Matter as the uh, sort of the next wave of the civil rights movement because it's really, really needed. Um, And we're definitely not talking about it enough in American um, public uh, sort of sphere. Uh, so uh, I'm really really glad to be part of the drug reform movement and that actually very heavily supports uh, Black Lives Matter and that was it was very touching for me and it was also very uh, very moving and I think very very significant.
0: All right well we actually went to what a lot of people think is probably the only all-female panel of the of the conference and it was about militarization and the bastardization of police and we talked a lot about uh, the difference between community policing and 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 less policing and changing implementation of of police roles and kind of just hearing the perspectives of of um, all of the different female leaders on this issue both academic and social leaders uh, was Gave me a perspective that I don't think I could have ever ever gotten anywhere else.
4: Thank you. Uh, well, you know, it's always great to, to be able to see the DPA staff. You know, there's so many folks who work for that organization, and um, you know, it, it's it's good to be able to put the faces with the names. Um, but also a lot of uh local advocates there were some folks here uh from hawaii and from maryland and from other states where we're doing a lot of work uh being able to to talk with those folks and then also you know to be able to talk to some of the people in the states where we're not working but perhaps should be uh you know certainly had conversations with you know folks uh, from Arkansas and Missouri and Michigan, and those are states where there are things potentially happening, and we want to help. We can't really invest a lot in working there, but to be able to, to see those people in person and talk to them about what they've got going on and you know, really be able to get a better idea of whether it might be something to invest in, I think is helpful. Mm-hmm.
8: I am sure. looking forward yeah. to the closing plenary, however, um, because those are always interesting. Ethan always sort of puts them together on the fly. He mm-hmm. pi- handpicks people, you know, he, he says, oh, people are buzzing about you at the conference and tells them that day you're going to be on the closing plenary mm-hmm. and you're going to have five minutes to talk to, to everyone at the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I think that will be exciting. It always is.
1: What aspect of reform are you most excited about right now?
2: Well, I, I stick my head into uh, cannabis a lot, and medical cannabis, and I, I, I think it's the first and most important thing that we're working on. But I'm really interested and excited to see, you know, movement going forward for, uh, you know, psychedelics, uh, psychedelic research uh, and therapeutics. So uh, MDMA, um, you know, psilocybin. Uh, Those two, I'm really excited to see where the research goes with that in the future.
3: Um, Well, in general, I'm excited about medical cannabis as an option specifically for epilepsy. I have a son who suffers, and I think that there's a lot of
5: options um, that can be very helpful throughout the country, so that's very exciting. Right now, I'm excited about catharsis tonight. I think that celebrating um, harm reduction is very important, and I think that protesting the current... Drug policy structures that we have in place is also important, and the mall is going to be an interesting place for that to convene.
0: Gosh, being at this chapter, all of it sounds super exciting. Mm-hmm. I think for Tennessee, at least, some movements are happening with medical amnesty, Good Samaritan laws uh, in relation to naloxone, um, so preve- prevention of overdose. But I think across the board, marijuana legalization feels great. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the climate, of course, we want to be cautious but um, it it feels really exciting. And then of course, expansion of psychedelics uh, in clinical settings and also um, uh, legislative changes.
6: I think probably psychedelic research, uh, including um, MDMA and, and cannabis, um, and not just the research but also the discussions that are happening um, around uh, psychedelics as something which uh, informs people's identity, which uh, which which changes how people are, so, so not just about using them in this clinical setting but also uh, seeing that they are um, fundamental um, identity shifters. Uh, that, that lead us to think about things in completely different ways. I think uh, psychedelics are a uh, philosophical tool, really. They're a, they're a tool for exploring the nature of consciousness, which is the grandest frontier and, and the one that we haven't explored the most. What is the mind? Uh,
7: so definitely, uh, yeah, decriminalizing drugs all across the world. <laughs> That's what I care about. Uh, I'm also very focused on uh, Europe, so I do live in France currently and I'm also originally from Serbia. So I would definitely love to see uh, some advancement in, in, in those places. Uh, but definitely I think that the, the momentum is here not only in the United States but definitely globally uh, across the world and you can also see that in the developments that are happening at the UN. Um, so it's, uh, it's a good year to be alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: So what do you think the reform movement needs to focus on more going forward?
3: Um, I hope this isn't repetitive, but I think the reform movement needs to focus more, um, on substitution drugs as an option. I think that cannabis in general can be a very safe alternative. Um, I know with my son who has epilepsy, the pharmaceuticals is kind of mm-hmm. the number one go-to, and I think the side effects are ridiculous. So the fact that there's an option with um fewer side effects that helps with lots of conditions and also can also help with substitution of other drug addictions is something that absolutely needs to be um, evaluated and considered.
5: Uh, I think diversity and inclusion is an extremely important part of creating a positive infrastructure to move forward. Um, Infrastructure and planning are really two things that go hand-in-hand with creating a future for drug policy and ensuring that everyone has a seat at the table is important for that. I also think that taking patients, experiences into consideration, and making sure that you recognize your audience and the medical reasons behind that is very important.
0: I think from what I understand, a lot of leaders are concerned that we're going to stop halfway. And that people who may see themselves as marijuana exceptionalists may not fight for other kinds of human rights and, and mass incarceration components of, of the ending the war on drugs that are integral in, in assuring that we are Take a social justice and human rights approach to this um, to this issue. So, having the momentum to move not only to the legalization of marijuana, but also making sure that harm reduction is is a focus of our of our further movement.
6: Hearing hearing a lot of the um, I, I've heard some different different stories uh, here in the U.S. and I think it's probably more focused here in the U.S. than it is back home in Australia. Um, Needs to focus more on those who are uh, in harm's way the most, and and that that's the most difficult area as well. Sometimes because these are marginalised people, so I'm talking about uh, people of colour, different races, different um, uh, different sort of uh, socio-economic uh, uh, classes. I suppose is also that that class issue. Um, and I think that is, especially for me, back in Australia, that is something that we need to focus on because uh, we have two major issues, which is um, uh, lower socioeconomic classes. Um, we've got a big ice scare at the moment. It's mostly hyperbolic. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is um, uh, some some issues in, in sort of more so in lower socioeconomic classes. They're the ones that get targeted the most, mm-hmm. um, even though they don't necessarily take more drugs than anybody else. So I think that's, that's the... Um, the, the focus that I'm sort of being drawn to Great. Um,
7: I think that reform movement needs to focus on young people more and on students and I'm really happy to be a part of SSDP and uh, to give all the energy that I can to um, to push the, the, the youth to uh, sort of voice our own concerns uh, our own point of view uh, because uh, we're definitely going to be um, inheriting the world that That is in the making right now?
8: One thing I I will say that might be interesting on the podcast is being that I've been to every Drug Policy Alliance conference since 2003, I've sort of had a front row seat to seeing the evolution of the movement and how we've gone, for example, from talking about marijuana legalization as this sort of theoretical great idea that, you know, one day it'd be great if we could actually do this and see what we've been talking about actually come to fruition and now it's actually coming to fruition and we're dealing with all these really interesting implementation issues having to do with uh, licensing schemes and taxation rates and you know one of the most interesting and important things i think people are really uh, talking about at this conference is making sure that there there are opportunities for communities that have been targeted by drug war enforcement to participate in that newly legal economy. Um, and so that's something I think the movement is, is now starting to talk about, but we need to not only talk about it a lot more, um, but make sure that the legislation we're writing and passing actually does provide those opportunities for those communities.
5: So given that you've been coming to these conferences for more than a decade now, how have you seen things change from the time that you first started
2: coming to where we are now?
4: I think that most of the the change, or at least where the change is most evident, is obviously in marijuana policy, and that's certainly where I'm focused, so it's a lot more obvious to me. Um, But I think that we've been seeing a very uh, rapid shift toward a more sensible approach on marijuana policy, and I think that we are seeing that across the board more or less when it comes to uh, treatment versus incarceration. We're obviously seeing more talk of that, more recognition of the problems associated with the war on drugs. I think we're now getting into the, the solution phase and there, you know, solutions are being taken more seriously and there's more desire to hear about them, uh, particularly on a state-by-state state level, but we're also seeing the federal level but you know I think that uh, it's it's becoming a a more mainstream issue an issue that's getting more discussion uh, in the media and...
1: and what do you think will be the next big focus for drug policy reformers after we're done with the question of marijuana legalization
2: I don't know I guess I want to I want to go back to that psychedelic uh, research but um, you know there's there's Lots of good, important things. Um, you know, just uh, really getting people out of prison is, is huge for all drug crimes. Uh, you know, it's marijuana certainly makes the most sense to people, but we really need to uh, create the space to allow people to take their lives back uh, and ha- have control, not, not that they have lost because of drug use, but they've lost because the government has taken away their rights and abilities to be, you know, a, a functioning part of society so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah I think prison prison reform
5: I think unfortunately it's going to be heroin Um, you know I come from New York I my sister had a cocaine addiction but a lot of people have issues with heroin and it is um, there's an article in the New York Times recently about how now that white people are doing drugs um, people are more likely to be less harsh about sentencing and less harsh about the approach to it I think that both heroin and crackodain have extremely unfortunate afflictions on communities, but I think heroin is really related to our dependency on opioids as painkillers and we should just cut that entirely.
0: I would say that my feeling is that the, the clinical research of psychedelics is moving in a whole new direction. We have too many veterans coming home. Uh, we have too many questions about mental health, uh, PTSD and other, and other mental health issues to ignore the potential that lies in the psychedelic field, which is largely unstudied, largely unfunded. It, it seems like that could be the new frontier of, of investigation.
6: Definitely think it'll be um, um, psychedelics. It's Perhaps it's because it's low-hanging fruit and it's um, easier to uh, address than um, some of the the stimulants that might have... Uh, uh, behavioural issues that are more difficult uh, for the non-drug taking public to to understand. although actually psychedelics are pretty confusing for the non-drug taking public to understand as well but um, it just seems like a, um, an easier thing especially since the uh, the clinical research like what MAPS are, are doing is happening and, um, and other organisations across Europe and across uh, South America. Um, lots of research. Uh, it seems that it's shifting. I heard uh, Rick Doblin say that 2021 he reckons MDMA is going to be uh, legally available for cl- clinical use so Yeah, psychedelics. That's where it's going (laughs) to shift.
7: Yeah, it's a very, very short answer. Uh, Psychedelics.
8: (laughs) Well, I think, you know, it'll probably be a while before we can say marijuana is done. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, if and when we do legalize marijuana in all 50 states and we change the federal laws related to marijuana, I think there's still going to be a role for people who are in this movement and who created that opportunity for the industry to exist, to continually police that industry, and to make sure that it upholds the principles of our movement. And there have been several incidents, incidences uh, in recent years in which some industry actors have not acted in accordance with the principles of this movement, and so I think you know we're going to have to continue to be vigilant about that. Um, in terms of you know drug policy reform for non-marijuana drugs, my suspicion is that uh, some of the psychedelics would be legalized next: psilocybin, um, perhaps MDMA, those those sorts of drugs. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see how the movement evolves and adapts. You know, as we sort of move away from the focus on marijuana Mm -hmm. and to what extent people who were working on marijuana issues stay involved and excited uh, and continue to work on those issues. I know, you know, speaking for myself, I'm going to be here, you know, I'm a lifer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that's the case for a lot of people who came up through SSDP, Um, but I don't think that's necessarily the case for everyone who's working on marijuana reform right now. Awesome. Let me you. also just say this um, you know one, one of the things that's most exciting for me in coming to these conferences as an SSTP alum is to just see what the current students are excited about. I'm so impressed they're so much savvier than we were <laughs> when, when we were in school um, you know and they just have so many more opportunities you know the, the movement is ascendant now it is clearly a mainstream issue. Um, and they're just taking it and running with it. And so it's always revitalizing for me to sort of check in with the, the current SSDP community mm-hmm. and see what they're up to.
1: And wrapping up, is there anything else you'd like to say or share with our listeners?
2: Uh, it's fantastic. You, Everybody needs to come to the next one. It'll be in two years, and boy, that one's going to be interesting and big and huge because we're going to have so much to talk about mm-hmm. what's going to happen in the next two years. Yeah. And also, Sam Tracy is awesome. You guys are
5: awesome. Um, I would just like to say that if you're interested
0: in cancer and cannabis, check out HealthMJ.com. So. I would say go to the next conference. Uh, the SSDP International Conference is going to be taking place in April. I encourage everyone to go, not only to meet uh, leaders from around the country, but uh, to to learn more yourself, to uh, to push your knowledge further and, and, and develop a perspective that can really make an impact on your campus.
4: Um, You know, I think it's always uh, a great experience because it's, you know, I don't know if the term would be rejuvenating or refreshing or something of that nature, uh-huh. but to, to, to be able to, to be around other people working on the same issue as well as people working on the same exact things that you were working on mm-hmm. uh, and to be able to reestablish, you know, reconnect with those people personally and then be able to, you know, move forward, uh, you know, that's very helpful.
6: Yeah, find the others. I think that's a pretty important message that, that I like to... Um, remind people of and i've been reminded of myself it doesn't come from me it came from others find the others find the other people uh that that uh, think in a in a way that's like you but don't forget that the important thing is not to wrap yourself in a bubble with the others um you find the others so that you can work together and in working together then you can uh make bigger more more impressive uh, goals that you can uh, attain and uh, and change things so find the others don't bubble yourself but find them
7: i absolutely love this week in drugs thank you
1: Thanks for listening to episode 20 of This Week in Drugs, hosted by Rochelle Young and me, Sam Tracy. The show is produced by Tyler Williams, and we'd like to thank Tom, Sarah, Gail, Amber, Mason, Nicholas, Miranda, and Maya for speaking with us about their experiences at DPA for our special episode. And as you may or may not have known, this actually concludes our first season. We've had an awesome time putting together 20 episodes of This Week in Drugs over the past 5 months, and feel like we're really getting into the swing of things. But with the holidays coming up, we decided it would make sense to take a little bit of a break, go on a hiatus, and give ourselves a bit of rest. Time to overhaul a few things and make season 2 even better. We'll still be turning out weekly episodes during this break, but they'll be focused on just the news, so feel free to keep sending us tips on cool stories and events. Then in January, we'll be back with season 2, so keep listening until then and start getting excited. We'll have dates and more details coming soon. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for the show, please send us a message on Facebook or Twitter, or you can also email us at thisweekindrugs at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, thisweekindrugs.org, for more info about the show, links to our guests and news stories, and so much more. So remember to stay sensible, and we'll see you next week.